are back with part two of our motherhood panel shit that you should know that you probably are not told about uh, when it comes to motherhood. We're celebrating mothers as Mother's Day approaches and this conversation is just getting even more realer and a little bit more crazier. Uh, so sit back, dive right on in and enjoy part two of this interview. Yeah, good job. But the thing is, like, first before we go into anything else, like, I want to say thank you guys, all three of you, for like being vulnerable and telling the truth because, like, we don't hear this enough. And especially you three are entrepreneurs. All three of you have your own business. You guys don't work for like a specific company. You guys work for yourself. So, like, working for yourself and being a mother—that that's like ten jobs in one. So, I just want to say thank you because I don't hear enough of this with parents. Like, and I think since I like I was talking to Shan earlier in our other um, podcast we had, I was like. I, when my, when my best friend had her first kid, we were like 22, 23, right? I didn't, I asked her how she was doing, but I didn't understand like the postpartum section of it because I was still super young. But like now since my friends are getting older and we're all having kids, like I always check in, like, how are you doing? Not just the kid, how are you doing emotionally? Because I think that's so important. So for you guys sharing this, I'm amazed and I'm so like, I mean, like, it's empowering for me to know that like, this could happen. This is going to happen to me when I have kids or my friends. And I can have honest conversations with people because like your partner won't know how you're feeling unless you tell them and your family, like Shan was saying, like, they'll say things and just like, what the fuck? Like, what the F? Like, what do you want from me? Like, how do you guys handle that? Like having pressure from like, so like social media or people in your circle who are saying things to you that are kind of like low key, like rude as AF. Like, how do you do with that? Like Christina, Vanessa, Stan, like how? For me, yeah, for me, that was the hardest part. It was the, um, and it doesn't, it could even be your own parents, but the in-laws specifically, yes. like oh, my, yes. my husband is Filipino. So his, he grew up in the Philippines. His, the culture is different there yes. than how I was raised with my family. who was born here in Canada and the cultural clashes post and seeing this is how you raise a baby this is how you do things like there were even some cultural traditions where she was like oh you know to help you because I ended up having like one or two stitches because there was a little bit of tearing but she was like you know we really need to boil some uh certain kind of leaves in a pot and you can yeah. squat over it and it's she was really pushing on that kind of stuff and I was just like I'm not squatting over anything right now like <laughs> no thank you but like and then coming over and like losing breast pump parts and trying to trying to do my 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 underwear laundry that was the day I broke I was like, we need boundaries with your parents. Her hands are on my underwear right now. And I know that like, I can just wash them again, but get your damn hands off my underwear. Six days postpartum, those things are probably disgusting. Like, yeah. <laughs> having that moment where like, they like, think they're helping, but they're really well, just causing more a little, little terror. A little yeah. Bit. And in the place I am in now, I'm like, she probably just wanted to take some chores off my hands. Yeah. But in that space now, like I, I, what we recognize is we were like, yeah, my family comes over and then your family and then your friends and then my friends. And we were like 10 days post and we'd had company at our house no. every day. And I was like, I said to my husband, I was like, we are not doing this. If we are having people over this time, it's one day of people one day of nobody in my house. Like, I don't want to see anybody like, because everyone's got their, they mean well too, but everyone loves to tell you what your experience is going to be like. I mean, mm. you just wait until they start crawling. Oh my God. You just wait until they start walking. It's going to be, aha, uh -huh, you think you're tired now. You wait, you're not going to sleep for weeks. Like people mm -hmm. love to share their experiences in that way. But like, 
everyone's experiences are so different. I don't know why we like to share always our worst experience. And we do a lot of this conversation today, what I feel is in jest at the same time, like, oh my God, the blood that falls out of you when you get off the operating (laughs) table. Like, hello, why did that just go rolling down the floor to the drain? Like, I'm so sorry. Does that happen to everyone? Yes, it does. But I mean, like at the same point, like I think there is also place in this whole motherhood conversation for like, yeah, my epidural really got messed up. Yeah, I bled a lot. Yeah, I had fights with my in-laws and we had to set boundaries. But at the same time, like there's so much that we look forward to and like sharing the good stuff too, right? So that it's like, hey, it is a lot, but at the same time, like it's worth it. Otherwise, you know, some of us wouldn't go through it again. (laughs) Christina, how is it for you? Two things. One thing that <laughs> touched on is parenting styles. I love my husband. Oh my God, we're the best couple ever and we get along <laughs> so well. And then you have a baby and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought we were on the same page here. <laughs> but with culture differences and background differences, that plays a huge role. And I don't think, I'm starting to see it now, but I don't think that's something that people tell you. Like your parenting style with your partner and how you communicate with your partner during pregnancy, post-pregnancy, as you're raising your children is so important because what I think is right and he thinks the opposite, you clash and then it affects the relationship. So learning how to parent on one accord is something that should be discussed before having kids. Like, what is your parenting style? Are you a gentle, like, disciplined person or you know do you like to scream you know um are you like it's just things that couples should discuss so I don't think people talk about that either I know it seems like because you don't know when you're gonna get pregnant you know you'd be trying but you just so it's not something you plan most of the time I mean even though you're practicing if you will um recommend talking to your partner at the beginning when you guys know that you're serious and that children are going to be a factor in your relationship discussing that um the other thing is setting boundaries uh my mom I love my mother so much you know like she's the best best mom ever um and I'm super grateful for her we live in New York Uh, my family's in DC she came and stayed with us for two weeks you know like she when I was in the hospital and my husband was tired. My mom was the one walking Tristan around the hospital and, you know, they had her and Tristan have this most amazing relationship, but I find myself having to be like, Hey, and she'll say it. She goes, you know, I'm a mom, right? You know that I raised three kids. Right. And I'm like, yes. However, comma, we are in a different day and age, um, of parenting and your parenting style. I don't fully agree with sometimes. So when it comes to my child, this is what I would like to see happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this literally happened last week. We let her watch Tristan for the first time overnight. Like this is uh-huh. the first time we got an overnight without Tristan in lives since she was born. And my mom wanted to do something. And I was like, no. And she was like, what? I was like, no. She already feels like I have anxiety about everything, which I accept because I'm a new mom in the middle of a pandemic trying to figure this out is the anxiety of that already exists. So I accept my anxiety and work through it. Um, she was trying to do something and I was like, absolutely not. And she was like, what? I was like, not happening. And she was upset, but I felt good setting that boundary to be like, 
I know that you're my mom. I know that you know how to mother. But when it comes to my child, this is what I want to happen. And this is what won't happen, period. Um, So setting those boundaries with people to be like, and I'm quick. If someone's talking to me about something I don't want to hear, I'm like, hey, my mom's on the other line. I'm going to call you back. like you have to set those boundaries and then Shan how is it for you because you're really close to your family like I know we know your family like Heather and I know your family really well like you guys are very close-knit group and Mm -hmm. which is amazing but how does that work with having been a new mom and setting those boundaries and your partner he is cultural differences how's that working yeah so um I'm Latina he's white um and it is different you know just like Christina was talking about like even with my mom baby led weaning what you're gonna (laughs) you're not gonna give him the purees you're just gonna give him chunks of food and he's gonna choke and blah 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 blah. and it's like yes we are in a new day and age and this is what's best is you know there's a lot of yeah he loves yeah he loves all kinds of food but my mom refuses to let him pick up food, get messy because she wants to feed him herself. And I have to constantly say, mom, please don't do that. Or she'll, he won't want something and she'll pretend to put something else in his mouth and shove this thing. And I'm like, you cannot do that. If he doesn't want something, don't give it to him. Like it's all good. There's other things that we can give him. So it just, it is setting those boundaries, but it's easier, I feel like, for me with my mom setting boundaries because I have no problem telling Jimena, like, listen, mom, stop. But if stop it's my suegra, like, if it's my mother-in-law, I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, even drinking, you know, breastfeeding and drinking alcohol. I don't know. Everyone's different. My pediatrician is old school. She said, honey, you did your job. Now it's time to have fun. But if he sees me having a, a third glass of wine, she's like, you're going to have another one. And no. breastfeeding. And it's just like, yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy myself. It's all good. Like, you know, just, so just you know, they're, they're old school and I, I respect them, but you also have to kind of have your, um, have, have your ground. But for me, I internalize a lot of things. So, um, when I hear it, then my, I take it out on my, on my fiance. Cause I'm like, she told me again, she did. She told me have another drink. And I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to enjoy and that's the thing with mommy play dates. Guess what we're doing? We're freaking throwing back some beers, okay? And we're going to the park. Like it makes it funner, Matthew. And like, I don't want to come home on a Tuesday and see you tipsy. Well, you don't. Well, you know what? I don't want. I don't want a lot of things that you do, but I'm gonna enjoy some IPAs because. I feel like it's a day. It's been a day. Like, yeah. it's, and I love how honest you guys are because, like, honestly, like I. Heather knows this. Like when I get married, I think even Shannon knows when I get married, I kind of hope my in-laws are in a different country because I don't have time for the for the issues. Like I hope that person is, I hope his family, I hope he ain't got no siblings. I'm praying for a single a single man. Like he's got no siblings. This parent lives in some foreign country we see like once in a blue moon because when I have kids, we get at Patricia and Howard's house on the holidays. Like we are doing that. Like we are hanging out with my family because I'm selfish and I know myself. But like, like you guys said, like you gotta tell your mom, like, yeah, I know my mom, like I love my mom. You, Shan, Shan, Heather, you guys know my mom. I love Patricia, that's my ride or die. But I'm gonna tell you right now, she ain't stepping on my boundaries, my parents style. Like we won't have to have a like, real discussion about yes, no, maybe so. But one of my really good friends, she literally had her mom not help out the first, like her mom didn't live with them. Like she now lives with them now, but the first six months, 
it was just her and her husband to figure out their parents' house without their mom's influence or like her going in. And I was like, wow, like she's like, I want to make sure my kid has like knows me as a parent as a parent style. Like there's certain things he's not gonna do. And I was like, wow, but no, I'm gonna have my glass of wine. You can check, you can check on that. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think it was probably two weeks postpartum when like the tensions were getting the highest with the in-laws. My mother-in-law went to the Philippines, but then the pandemic happened. She got stuck there for like four months. And I honestly think as unfortunate as that was, it was the best thing that ever happened to our relationship. I was like, I love this woman right now. And right now at this moment in time, I love her. But but had we had four months of what was building over those two weeks, but, um, but in terms of like boundaries, I found the two things that I keep having to establish boundaries with is like, here's how my daughter eats, (laughs) meaning like, these are the foods I like her to eat because different, you know, different cultures are different things. And like, I don't want her living on a, an entirely processed food diet, which is how my husband's family does eat a lot more. And so I'm like, here's the food I'm sending to you. (laughs) Please eat this food. And then like, beyond that, I think the, uh, the other boundary I had to draw was uh, talk about her body. And I wanted to draw Mm -hmm. that right away because different, like I found there was a lot of like, Oh, she's so chubby. Oh, she's so yes. heavy. Like, oh, look at her rolls and everything like that, which we know it's like, it's, it's the way we've always heard people talk about babies, but like, I always want her to be in an environment where she doesn't look for differences in how her body is different than yes. another. Like, you know, when people say you're getting so heavy, you're getting so big. Like it I always like to encourage my family. To, yeah. I just like to encourage with my family. I'm like, tell her she's beautiful, tell her she's smart, tell her she's funny, tell her all these things. But like commenting on the shape of her body only makes her look at how hers looks different. And I know she's only two, but I think we start absorbing those messages early. So really having to enforce that, watch the books that are coming into our homes and stuff like that. Except I look back on the stuff that I was read as a child. I mean, there's not a lot of awareness around that. And I just want to raise her in a place where she's celebrated for her brains and her mind and her personality too. And she's not aware of how her body is different than other people's. I love that. And also you guys are raising kids in the pandemic. Like you guys all had kids in a pandemic. And I know that like my friends who have had recent kids with the pandemic, they said it's a little, it's different. Like they are not, the kids are not getting like the social, social lacing of other kids. So they're like in their own little like. Or us. Yes, no like baby classes you. for us. <laughs> yeah, like there's nothing. Like I know, like my well, my friends' kids, like they look at me like I'm crazy for the first like two hours, like who is the stranger in my house, and then all of a sudden they're like this, hey, I'm happy to be around you. Like it's like a comfortability. Yeah. Like how's that going for you guys raising kids in this pandemic? That's like our new situation. Are you afraid about losing if they're risking like not having social skills or anything like that? Yes, I'll be honest. <laughs> Um, so we had started putting Tristan in gymnastics class and she was loving it, but the pandemic kind of picked back up again around the holiday season. And so I was just a little too nervous to have her around. There were a lot of reports of kids, you know, catching COVID. And I was like, you know what, let's just scale back on that. And yes, she's weird with other kids, you know, which is why I was mentioning earlier, we were on the virtual school tour because this yeah. school accepts her at two years old. Oh, and I was like, maybe it's time to kind of put her in an environment with other children. And I even talked to a specialist about it because I was like, you know, I'm not an educator. I'm not a teacher. I'm not someone that works at a daycare. So teaching her, 
you know, I feel that me and my husband have kind of reached a peak where we can actually teach her and it makes sense, or she wants to pay attention to what we're saying to her. Um, and the specialist was like, send her to school. <laughs> like she was straight up, she said, she's socially awkward. She definitely is. Um, she's the same way with people, you know, she'll, but I think she uh, picks up on spirits too, because some people will come in and she's just like, hi, I'm Tristan, you know? Others, she stays by my side until they're there for at least 20 minutes. And then she's like, okay, they're not going away. So they must, <laughs> you know, I'll talk to them now. I'll show them my toy. Um, but I'm, a, I'm amazed at how like well she picks up on things. Like she does her own laundry, no lie. She goes to get her, hamper. Goes to her hamper. The washing machine is on the bottom. So she opens the door and she, you know, puts her clothes in. She likes to water the plants. Um, she goes and picks up the spray bottle and goes around the house spraying all the plants. Too her being in the house, I do believe played a role in her just having to pay more attention to us than doing normal kid stuff. Like even growing up, you know, go play with your cousins, go play with your <laughs> brother, you know, she doesn't have that. So we're now trying to incorporate, we do, we live in a building that's full of kids her age. So now we have a mom group chat, you know, um, and we'll text and be like, hey, do you guys want to meet in the playroom? And we'll all go downstairs and let our kids just kind of run around. And she's starting to be more open to being around kids without being scared first. So, I mean, it's a lot um, because at first it was like, I just don't want my baby to get sick. I don't know what COVID yeah. is, you know, like we can't go around anyone. And um, yeah. I definitely believe like that played a role in even with her speech, like she tries to talk like an adult, you know, she talks <laughs> in full sentences versus mama, cup. She'll she's with, with you guys the whole time so she's adulting yeah, she, at an early yeah. age she's adulting yeah. at an early age and I'm just like okay Ugh. maybe it is time to try to normalize socialization with her and other children uh, because she's going to need it and I think that they've been that opportunity has been taken away from them because of the pandemic and which really sucks because what will their social skills be when they get older? Yeah, like Shane, like you, I think you have the youngest kid in this group right now. How is that working for you? Wherever I go, he goes, girl. I don't, if, if mom's going to a party, okay, it's not kid friendly, then I'm not going. If it, oh, he can come, okay. He, I pass him around to everybody. Did you hold him yet? Told him. Like, you know, he's with every, all all my friends, families, everybody talks to him, picks him up. Um, I have friends from all, you know, different diversities. Yes, so you I do. really, you know, I, ethnicities, I, I really try to put him in as many social situations as possible. Um, and we were doing baby music class and people were saying, oh, he's too young to start music class, but yeah. is it really, when is really too young? Um, he's gonna start swimming class. So, you know, we just, we're just putting him out there and and we, yeah, we were kind of scared with the, with the pan, panini or whatever. When like, no, okay, we can't see anybody. We can't, you know, especially two weeks before, cause they were like, if your husband gets COVID then he can't be in the delivery room. Yes. That was kind of like what was scary for us. And then of course, afterwards they're so vulnerable with their little, um, their bodies and stuff. But now it's like, you know what? I'm not gonna be scared anymore. We've gotten COVID. Mateo actually got COVID on his first birthday, which, oh, no. which 
sucked because we decorated the whole house, had the balloon arch, the cake, everything <laughs> ready to go. And that morning he tested positive. So that was a really kind of Debbie Downer um, for us that we had to get past. But we have the antibodies now. I'm, we're not looking past, we're looking forward. And yeah, we're just gonna, you just have to kind of keep living life, unfortunately. And and he was only down for like, I want to say 24 to maybe 48 hours. And then he okay. was completely fine. Okay, resilient. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Teneza? Yeah, well, my daughter was born February and everything got shut down in March. So we had like all the people over and then all of a sudden all the people were in danger. Like remember March, that first March was like- yes. Every, you we didn't even leave your house unless it was like one person got groceries you brought them home scrubbed them with the yes. whole wife at that point because nobody knew what was going on but uh, we didn't have anybody hold her beyond that for the first four months which I think my family really missed out on that our family like in general doing that and then I, I don't know like things were a bit different in Canada but we've had a lot of like extended shutdown of things and there was no baby classes that we could go to and I actually found one of the more interesting things to navigate was other parents comfortability with COVID because you go to the playground and like my daughter is always curious. She wants to talk to people. She goes and plays with kids of all ages, but you can see on the faces of their parents, the different levels of comfort. Some people are like, sure, let our kids play. Some people are like, your baby doesn't have a mask on. Like, I'm not comfortable with that, but like nobody says anything. So there's this really awkward, you could tell both people are like, are they comfortable that my kids are that close to their kids when it's strangers, right? And there's no established, like, here's the rules of the playground. So like really being like, well, I hope that parent doesn't mind that my daughter is like right up in her face because <laughs> I don't really know what to do, but that was really interesting to navigate now. And I'm on the same page as Shan right now. At this point, it's just like we, me and my husband, we had COVID two weeks ago. My daughter had it last Monday. Like we wow. are, we're through it now. And at this point, we're just like, all right, no fear. We're just going to live, live our lives at this point. So we're in the same place you are now. Yeah. All right. I so love, to kind of, I love the honesty of that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But to kind of like, wrap it up just a little bit. I think we need to, I mean, I, I think we did a pretty good job of hitting at the shit we wish we knew and then, <laughs> and go for yeah, it. Go for it. Yeah. That's it. Hannah, baby girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did she have, uh, was she bleeding when she was born, like in her diaper? Uh, so they'd say that some girl, this was yes! I took her to the urologist, but go Wait, ahead and tell them. I was shocked. We couldn't go on without this. So no. baby girls have a period pretty much when they're born. What? Yes. They're suffering already. Already. They're they're detoxing suffering. off of our estrogen and progesterone hormones. Like I straight up, I took a photo of it. I took her to the kidney doctor because I was like, what is this? There's blood. Like, and he's like, oh, that's a baby period. I was like, baby period? How long like, does this last? Yes. It was they just talk- like out. How like, long does this last for? Just like one day or like multiple like a clot. days? It's like a clot, right? It was like, a, ours was like a week or mm. it was like seven days maybe. It's a real period. A real period, yes. Oh, a that's you some know how, shit. You know how, when we get our periods, it's a withdrawal from estrogen, right? That's what it, it is. is. That's the what withdrawal absence causes the lining to shed. Well, when they leave us, they don't get our estrogen anymore. So they go through an estrogen withdrawal and bleed. Like I yeah. had... No, that literally blew my mind. I was like, Wait, there's something wrong. That's not supposed to be in the diaper. That's not poo. Is that poo? Is that red poo? Like, what are you eating here? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so only girls have that. So Shan, you lucked out over here because 
Yeah, but the guys have to get circumcised and then you have to like put a pad of like Vaseline on their PP for like a week or two until it like heals. Yeah. And then, and then the umbilical cord, I didn't know that you had to like not bathe them or touch it or anything. And then it falls off. And it's in your laundry sexy. usually, like somewhere you don't want to find it. It's like in your bed sheets by the socks at the bottom of the bed. Like, what the frick is this thing at the bottom? <laughs> it's okay. like a clip with dead skin hanging off. Stop yeah. it. Okay, I do have a quick question. Did you guys eat your placenta? Is that something that was on your mind? Because people like were making oh. their smoothies. I was like, oh, you funny. I ain't doing that. I, I was more surprised by the size of it. They showed me it. I was like, that is the biggest thing I have ever seen. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, like a steak. But this thing was like... I was, just, I felt like it was the size of my face. They showed it to me Stop. in this dish and I was like, that's freaking huge. Like, oh I can't, I'm just not prepared for them to show it to me. Never mind. I'm like, that's no wonder I gained so much damn weight. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's huge. Like, oh my God. Bigger than the baby. <laughs> Donated mine. And, but I think if I do get pregnant again, I'm going to get them turned into pills. To take her, that what people do. Yeah, I'm gonna do that the next time. Oh, um, I didn't. Um, but I will maybe do some some more research, Christina, because um, obviously with Western medicine, they're like, there's no real research. They're like, but there is, but the, there is research. No significant, blah 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 blah. And I was like, ah, okay, whatever. Um, and then when I did, because you you know you you have two deliveries. You deliver the baby, and then you have to deliver the placenta after that, right? So. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole so process then, in itself. When does the <laughs> yeah. second delivery happen? Afterwards, Just right? right after. Like it's 10 like minutes, straight. I think. Mine took 10 minutes. So like oh, you push out a baby no. and then 10 minutes later, they say no, no. push You're again. Like, one more push, push out. one more push, and then you it, deliver the placenta. See, for me, it was a, um, the, the placenta didn't come out right away after. And this is also something I didn't know. So we did delayed cord clamping, which basically means I let the cord pump dry before cutting it because so much of that cord blood has... It has cord stem cells, it has oxygen, it has all that stuff. So we let the cord pump dry into the baby before we cut it. But then you have the end of this cord and it's attached to you. <laughs> like your placenta is still inside you. And it's like having a pull toy coming out. And then mine didn't come out right away. So they're like, we're just going to give a little tug now. And they're like pulling on this like tube that's coming Hi. out of you. And then the placenta came out. It's like, tug oh, hello. Like, Stop. Okay. Okay, this is too much. This is a lot. Okay, before we wrap this up, I do have one more question. Do you feel like as women, especially like women of color, like or just being in that situation, did you guys feel like you had to be an advocate for yourself? Because sometimes the doctors do not listen to you while you're delivering. Like my best friend, she had her baby and she kept saying something's not right. Something's not right. And they were like, oh, it'll be fine. Like you're fine. It wasn't until her husband was like, no, you need to check my wife now. And she had this serious issue. Like luckily she healed properly, but she had to be an advocate for herself. Like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Did you guys feel like you have to be an advocate for yourself in the delivery room or with your kids in general at doctor's office? Yes. My stupid doctors didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, advocate with 24-7. And then I freaking went in and they're like, that oh, part. the looks of your blood work and by the looks of you, you're probably four to six weeks pregnant. Girl, I was 20 weeks pregnant, five months. And so um, that, that it was a nurse practitioner that, yeah, that didn't find out or whatever, but my doctor had, you know, came up to me and said, you know what? I had to talk with her because that's not okay. I'm she glad. She's seen all the symptoms and, and just giving you, you know, as a woman, you have a sore throat. They're like pee on a stick. Like, let's yes. see, pregnant. They, you know? do, they make you think of pregnancy for everything. I, 
Mm-hmm. I had ankle surgery. They're like, take take a pregnancy. I was like, for who? For her? <laughs> like, I am. I am. What you know about? I am the new Mary. Okay. Like, yeah. I am. Not, I'm not. They're like, no, you have to take it. I was like, well, I'm, I'm like, I'm on my period. Actually, like, do you want me to take it? She's like, just in case. But like, yeah. it's weird to me that after all the symptoms you had, no one said take a pregnancy. Exactly. And then. Um, a week before I gave birth, I had a really bad, um, and this might be TMI, but like urinary tract infection or it was burning down there. Like I could barely walk and I just felt like I needed a pee and it was burning. And I kept saying, and I went in, they didn't check me. They're just like, oh yeah, just take, just put this cream up there. The cream didn't work. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like it is burning. So I had to go back like two, three times until they gave me the proper stuff, but you need to speak up because Closed mouths don't get fed. And this is your baby on the line. And if you don't feel like something's right, you need to speak up because, you know, there could be re- repercussions down the line that if you stayed quiet, you know, stuff could have gone bad. Well, I think that's what we just pretty much, Heather and I just, we recorded that yeah, entire we talked episode on yeah. advocating for ourselves. But like I had um, urethra trauma from the catheter going in and out, the in and out catheter nonstop. Um, and I kept telling them, I'm like, it hurts to pee. Um, and they're like, oh, just go on antibiotics. It's a UTI. I was like, based on what test results? Like, did you test my urine? And I was like, no, I'm not going on them. They're like, it's just going to get worse. I was like, I want to make sure it's not trauma. Like, it, I mean, you have like a plastic straw and it's going in and out every two hours. Like that might be it. Um, and of course the test came back negative and I would have been on antibiotics for no reason. And they just wreak like havoc on your gut. But there's even so many things going through this pregnancy that I've taken on myself that is quite new questioning everything. Why are you giving me this? Why are you prescribing me this? Like for me this time, um, like it's so normal when you go through pregnancy to get the diabetes test, the gestational diabetes test. Right. And they basically give you what's the equivalent of like something like two cans of pop worth of sugar in one sitting. And then they watch your blood sugar. And I'm like, well, I've never had issues before. So why don't we just test my resting glucose levels and my, what's called your hemoglobin A1C. I said, if you see an issue, then I will do that because in the way I live my life, I wouldn't have that much sugar in one sitting ever. And this is traumatic for my baby. I was very sick last time this happened. And, um, it's amazing how many people don't know that you can ask questions about that stuff. Like, is this a good test for me? Or is this a blanket thing that everyone gets? So this time, a lot of the tests, I was like, tell me why, tell me the proof behind it. Why do you think I'd be at risk for this? And I mean, it, I've gotten to avoid a lot of sometimes the, the unnecessary because intervention begets intervention. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you start, you know, doing that kind of stuff, but I just didn't know that you can ask a lot of those questions too. And that comes with baby too, like the cord clamping. They were just like, no, it's fine. I'm like, this is what I want. <laughs> Get back with your scissors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Christina, how was it for you? Like your advocacy for yourself and your child? Um, so I have a bicornate uterus and mm-hmm. that meant that the I have a double uterus that's split and that meant that the baby wouldn't potentially have enough room to yes. grow or turn. So that's why I had, I scheduled a C-section. So every doctor's appointment, I was asking a thousand questions because first pregnancy, I have a different situation going on on the inside. I need to make sure at all times my baby was good. And then of course, in New York, you know, when it comes to the black maternal rate, like it's extremely high because doctors don't listen to black women when they are delivering these babies or going to these doctor's appointments. And so, um, I definitely had to speak up for myself in every appointment to make sure you guys are doing everything right. And 
does the baby have enough room? Like they're not going to check the fluids. No, check my fluids because I need to make sure that she has enough fluids. Um, when, and this was like the scariest thing my husband and I had to go through, but the day before my surgery, I wrote a note out to him to say, Hey, if something happens to me, no matter what my mom says, no matter what the doctors say, this is what I want to happen. If it comes between saving me or the baby, save the baby. Like I wrote all this out. So he had it in writing, uh, especially knowing that I was going in for a C-section and, you know, things could go wrong. Complications. Yeah. Correct. Um, my best friend is a maternal nurse that, you know, administers vaccinations and things like that. So she told me, don't let them do certain things as soon as she was born. And it's so funny because this is what she does for a living when babies are born, but yeah. she told me to make sure that I didn't let them do certain things when she was born. So yeah. making sure that my husband knew those things and wouldn't budge on it. So he, and if, because I was laying on the table, you know, with my organs out, he had to also be that advocate for me because I need you to be a strong voice in this situation. And then after um, my temperature was really low. And so the typical C-section recovery, like when you go into the recovery room is about 20 to 30 minutes. I was there for two hours because my temperature just would not go up. And my mother, (laughs) I told you, she plays no games. So I have the most beautiful picture of her like, I'm holding my daughter and my mother has the most serious look on her face because she's looking at the doctor like, make sure that she's good. You come check on my daughter every five minutes to make sure that this temperature doesn't drop at a significant rate. Like, so my my family were also advocates and voices for me when I couldn't be. And I think that's important as well to make sure your heart, your husband, your partner, your mother, whoever's in that delivery room knows exactly what you want to happen so that if there are any complications, you have a bunch of people speaking on your behalf and not just yourself, especially if you can or you're not, <laughs> hey, I just gave yeah. birth. I can't even think about what's going on right now. Yeah, but definitely. It wasn't until my final doctor's appointment that I had a, um, it was a black woman and she she told me she was like ask as many questions as you want she's like whatever questions you have ask them right now because they might not tell you when you get in there um even during the pregnancy I didn't want to get a flu shot my best friend maternal nurse said you don't have to get it it's fine and the doctor said you will die if you catch the flu and I was like why no I'm not me as a pregnant woman and every time they wanted to do something that I spoke to my friend about first who works in their field every time they would say we need to do this we need to do that and I would say no we're not doing that no I don't want this to happen and they would before they can even say anything I was like my best friend who's a maternal nurse works at a hospital where she does these things and she let me know that I don't have to do that and they would back off you can you know, say no to things. I did not know that. <laughs> I thought so, it was just, that's what happens. <laughs> okay. So the next podcast we have with you guys, we have to like talk about like the no's and the yeses and about like playground behavior or like raising girls and raising boys or like, these are such big topics that people don't talk about. And I think for Heather and I, who do not have kids at this time, this is such great information for us. Cause like, I'm going to have a C-section. So I need to know what Christina is doing with. 
I need to know, like, Shannon lived in the Bay Area. How is it raising the kid in the Bay? Like, it's a different world. And then you, Knessa, like, just all the knowledge you have about, like, these cores and stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, girl. You can it out there. A placenta bigger than your face? Stop it. So, Heather, let's wrap this up. Yes, let's wrap this up. I want to thank everyone for being on this panel and for sharing their knowledge and being super vulnerable. We really, really appreciate it. And make sure to follow these ladies. Um, ladies, you want to give uh, our lovely audience on how they can follow you, keep in contact with you? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram most of the time. My handle's at Tanessa Shears. And I'm also host of the Becoming Limitless podcast, which is all about biohacking for entrepreneurs. It's great. It's great information. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Shan Berries or um, Shades by Shan. Also, yeah, if you guys want to shop makeup, make sure to support small businesses. And yeah, you can follow me there. DM me. I'm wearing, the makeup. I'm wearing the makeup now, wearing the lip gloss earlier. Thanks, girl. <laughs> uh, I am at Christina N. Wilds on everything Wilds with an S on the end. And if you want to follow my daughter's book club, it's at Tristan, T R I S T Y N, Tristan's book club. And that Tristan's book club, book club is, is you. supporting generational wealth, which is really yes. important. Establishing. All well, the, for young kids. All the money that when people purchase books, all that money goes back to my daughter. We have nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank that. you so much again. And until next time, Slay Nation, we will catch you later. That does it for our motherhood panel. Uh, so she slays Chauncey and myself would really like to extend the biggest thank you to Christina, Tanessa, and Shan for being so honest and so real. And we really, really appreciate you guys for being so vulnerable with us. Uh, thank you so much, Slay Nation, for listening. Make sure, you know, if your mom's around that you give them a big big hug because they went through some shit um, and happy mother's day to all the mothers out there wishing you a beautiful day thank you so much for listening